Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Barnes University Radio. This episode, we have a double header. We're going to be talking about Titans' interest in some of these undrafted free agents that are available. Now, some have been reported as signed. Undrafted free agents are a bit tricky. You never know what they're going to do in terms of, you know, whether or not they're really interested in coming into camp and trying out, whether the Titans will be interested. Uh, So when you see a reported signing, you can't believe it until they're actually on the field. And then some may just be rookie mini count tryouts. So you never know. That's one part of this segment or one part of the episode. And then the next, we are going to be talking about special teams value within the NFL and how much um, that has been important in terms of winning and losing games within the NFL. So let's get this thing started. The past couple of episodes have been pretty lengthy, but if you love football, you're going to listen to it all. But we'll try to make this a little bit quicker, a little bit more digestible. Every time I says that, say that, um, it's usually double the amount that, I, that I'm thinking, but let's get started. So one of the first players that I saw and had interest in and really thought that was interesting um, that was reported to be signed or the Titans had interest in the undrafted free agent frenzy that is um, is tight end Briley Moore McKinney. Um, guy played at UNI. Then played at um, Kansas State. War number zero. He's about 6'4", 245. I'll give him 45. I think it was reported he's 240. He looks a little bit bigger than that. He might have trimmed down. Um, this guy who, who's battled injury, significant injury, battled back. Um, you know, I'm, I'm talking about almost similar to Caleb Farley's. Not exactly the same because I don't really like talking about the description of injury and in that kind of stuff, that's public public knowledge for you to go find out. But Bradley Moore has dealt with injury. He's overcome them. Um, he's one of my favorite, you know, undrafted free agent tight ends. Late round. He could have been a late round tight end. Him, Colin Granson, who I think was taken way earlier than some thought. Um, you know, Quentin Morris, people, you know, the you know, he's a really good guy. Um, a plug and play kind of guy. Well, I wouldn't say plug and play, but uh, an athletically gifted player that you could work with. Let's put it like that. And then John Bates and Sean Byer and stuff like that. But, but what Bradley Moore brings to the table is an H-back type of guy. Um, not so much inline, but an H-back move guy that can catch the ball. Doesn't have long arms, but uh, so that catch radius will be questioned. But a guy that can just get the ball and run, right? Um, okay blocking ability, but a very interesting guy to get. Um, at that point, you know, I made this article on blog.thebarnesuniversity.com that you can check out about the percentage of, you know, these prospects on the likelihood of actually making the roster. Um, I think a good deal of them will be on the practice squad. Honestly, I think you you could get probably two to four guys from this mini camp that I'm going to mention that's, that might make it be brought back at some point to be on the practice squad or make the roster between two to four guys. And Brawley Moore is one of them. Um, Another guy that I think has a chance to, to, to at least get his name, you know, some notoriety or recognition is Justice Reed. 
um, out of Virginia Tech. This guy's been in college forever. I think he's like a sixth or seventh year senior. Um, I want to say, you know, he's been in the he's been in college for a while. You know, um, this guy's linear ability, his first step as a as a under very undersized four three defensive end talent. He's about 6'3", 253. Usually you have, at that size, you have flexibility to be an outside linebacker, but he's not very flexible. <laughs> he's not flexible position-wise, and he's not flexible, you know, as far as pliability. Um, but as far as just a straight-line rusher, he shows promise there. And I think, you know, all hope is not lost to be a professional football player, but I'm not so sure that the NFL is the calling card. But we're talking undrafted free agents here. But I think he'll do enough to, like, get his name, you know, noticed. Um, and there's two players that I think um, have a, a have an above-average chance to actually make the roster or – you know, to make the to honestly to make the roster, I think at least one guy can get on practice squad, and that's uh, Blake Caldwell, kicker out of Ohio State. He was my kicker one, and then we got Cole Banwart. Um, hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, out of Iowa, as an interior offensive lineman, center guard prospect. Um, I think those two have the the possibility to actually make the team. Honestly, um, what you get with Blake Hobbill, who, you know, most people don't even scout kickers. They just kind of go by whatever everybody else is saying. They look at how many makes that you made. They might look at your field goal percentage. They might look at the school that you went to. I kind of go into a deep dive. I look at the process. I look, I just like any other position. And Blake Hobbill, he just checked off a lot of boxes because he has the most consistent operation. Um, he's big, strong. He has a powerful leg. Um, he has great accuracy. He never missed an extra point. Um, you know, he has just the most consistent stroke and process out of, of all the kickers that I saw. He didn't have the, the at bats or the volume of some of the kickers, but you know, that's because Ohio state was always scoring touchdowns as opposed to kicking field goals. So you have to view that within context. Uh, you look at his touchback percentage, which we're talking about how many times a kicker can put the ball out of the back of the end zone, end zone therefore, um, you know, ensuring there will be no return, uh, that you can ensure the opposing offense will be at a point um, every time. Um, those numbers were low for him, but um, from what I saw, Ohio State liked to keep the ball in play. So if a, if you're evaluating kickers and you go through the process and you're just number watching as opposed to viewing tape with context to, or to search and find for context, then you're going to probably look at Hobbill as a guy that was just a guy that was just a guy, <laughs> right? Uh, but if you look at the, the actual context, you look at an NFL um, type of kicker that can't, with work, obviously you get to the league, you get hopefully sound coaching it takes you to the next level. Hopefully you get a good snapper. Hopefully you get a good holder that just that just allows you to kick the ball. You got a kicker one, and I think that will be a surprise. I think Blake Hallbill will, will win the kicker job. I think Blake Hallbill at Ohio State will win the starting kicking role for the Tennessee Titans. So that's one to look out for. Um, that's a hell of an undrafted free agent signing. Um, I'd like to believe I had influence in that, but you know, obviously, um, Mike Vrabel is from that area. He he coached at the college. 
good chance he recruited him. Who knows? Um, so anyway, or, you know, obviously has come across him at some degree being coached there and probably very connected with that um, program. But anyway, you got Cole Banwart, hopefully I'm saying it right, uh, guard, center type of prospect. By the way, Blake Hallbill is like close to 6'4", 230. The guy's a hoss. Um, you know, he's a big kicker. Um, but anyway, Cole Banwar, he's what, 6'4", 300? Um, you know, I put on tape of him, Is you know, he's a guy that understands football, understands ball, um, has good grip strength, has good footwork. Um, you know, not athletic whatsoever when he pulls. It's not a pretty sight. Um, not much body control there, but in terms of just hiking the ball or when that ball is hiked and blocking the guy that's in front of him, I think he can do that on a, on an above average level. And because of that, that's going to get you a, a reserve role somewhere, whether it be on this Titans team or another team. You can you can definitely see him on uh, the roster as a reserve or at least special. I mean, not special teams. Well, that's a good segue that we're about to talk about. But you're definitely going to see the guy um, as a practice squad guy. I can't see the Titans. You know, he's a good developmental talent at the very least. So with that being said, let's transition to this concept of special teams, specifically talking about the Titans, of course, because, you know, this is a this is a Titan centric podcast. Um, I'd like to believe it is. We get off on a lot of different topics. Um, as well but it's very titan centric and some things that has been said sometimes i think narratives it's very dangerous people talk about this all the time and obviously we're just talking about football but people who who have positions of power who just say anything right the concept and the inspiration for this podcast i can't help but to say was talking with a very well-known um titans personality who had a good it's a good argument um conceptually and as a broad um concept right you sign you draft special team talent late so that you don't have to pay veterans to do that right you get young talent that are cheap that goes out there and plays or or does the dirty work per se in special teams makes sense right in a broad perspective right um but the problem with that is the Tennessee Titans specifically the team that we're talking about and their situation doesn't make sense because they spent money on these so-called older more expensive special team players but they also spent at least 3 I would say, let's say, let me, let me think about it. Three to four, let's say three to four, you spent three to four draft picks, that's draft capital, on special teams talent as well. So you had a very heavy special teams in the draft process, and then you had a very special, very, very heavy special team signings in free agency. So it's like the concept of saying drafting younger special teams talent in 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 a broad perspective, yes, it makes sense. But when comped with what they did in free agency, which last I checked, free agency comes before the draft right now in the year 2021, then it didn't make sense, right? That doesn't make sense 
to basically mirror what you did in free agency. The in the draft was your opportunity to draft the best player available since you did such a grand job in free agency in special teams. Right? So we'll get to the players, but let's talk about special teams as a concept. Special teams is the vital part of football. It it's the in-between the game, right? Where you can gain advantage, whether it be the hidden yardage and the return game. Right. And let's talk about the return game. You need guys that can can move well, understand leverage, are great blockers, are great athletes who are very selfless. As in a, as a coverage unit, you need guys who are very disciplined, very tough, good athletes. You know, very selfless players. Right. You need guys that fit whatever position they're in. Like, for example, I was on special teams. I was on I was a gunner. Um obviously on defense. Um no, I was a punt team. So I wasn't sometimes I was a returner at punt returner. Uh and you know, if you stay out there on punt return, you block on the uh edges. But at on punt, you know, you're a gunner. And you know, I was on punt, I was on kickoff. Um, and as a gunner, you have to stay in your lane. <laughs> Literally, you have to stay in your lane and 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 kind of converge on the ball when when time comes you have to be smart you have to understand angles and leverage you have to be tough you don't have to know how to get off of blocks you have to be selfless right you know um and it's it's a it's a talent it's a skill and i would venture to think that you don't have to be young to do it you know and i would say that yes veterans you you get paid double the the rookie the rookie scale you know, you get paid double to maybe triple of what a rookie um, is getting paid. So I understand the cost effectiveness of it. But the Tennessee Titans did it anyway. They had a very heavy special teams signings. And those players include Kevin Johnson. A lot of people say this is not much of a, you know, not much of a special team signing. But he plays special teams. He plays special teams. It's All you got to do is be a gunner. Run down the field. Have some leverage and make a tackle. He can do that. They signed Ola Adenie. Adenie, which it doesn't sound like Adenie, but it's Ola Adenie from uh, the Steelers, if I'm saying it right, hopefully. You know, as an, as an edge rusher, I think he's a little bit better of an edge rusher, and that's something that we can talk about later as well. Uh, but he's a special teams dynamo. He's a, a, a very excellent special teams as an interior guy, which I wasn't. I was a gunner. He's a good interior um, gun, uh, pursuer or gunner, I guess you could, you don't necessarily call those guys gunners. I don't think an uh, interior guy, he's a protector. He can be a personal protector. Then obviously he goes down and then he goes and make tackles, but more so, you know, a guy that is on the interior. Anyway, you sign the special teams guy there. You sign Matthias Farley, who's very well known in the league for special teams, right? You sign him. You signed B.J. Bello. You signed Chris Jones. You covered the special teams market very well in free agency. But the, the perception of this person, the narrative, and I think that is being bled out to everybody else, which is falsely, is that 
You have to have special teams. When were they going to get guys that could be special teams? I don't mind. I honestly would not have mind the Racy McMath picks and the Brady Breeze picks singularly if you had the other three day three picks. And then you and then with the other day three picks, let's draft guys that can that are that are difference makers. And then yes, the McMath and Brady Breeze picks kind of just flow in there as special teams contributors. But you gave away three picks to get Des Fitzpatrick. So then we're talking about you mirrored your free agency plan in the draft and you didn't you didn't gain like you didn't gain anything because you didn't take the chance to get take the for examples like guys that keep coming to mind is like Simi Fajoko, Cornell Powell, Kate Johnson, Jonathan Adams Jr. late, you know, or another running back, Kylan Hill. You know, these type of things or more interior uh, or Jacoby Stevens or, you know, David Moore, I'm basically saying my draft, like taking chances on high end developmental to starter talent. This is what I'm talking about. Is special teams important? Absolutely. We just talked about an undrafted free agent. Uh, my kicker one, Blake Hallbill, who might win the job more than likely will. Right. Kicking the kicking game. Right. You know, when you can't score, they they give you points. They make your drive. Um, you know, you had a you had a very beneficial drive. You had a very substantial job when you can end with three points as opposed to nothing. Right. We know that special teams is important. But at that rate, the Tennessee Titans basically signed a whole 11 man special team squad between free agency and then what will be the draft. So it's like, stop with the, oh, you get young talent for cheaper, right? This wasn't the draft to do it. And teams that do that are teams like the Buccaneers who just won a championship. Teams like the Chiefs who won the championship before that. Teams like the Patriots who are already like, we have a pretty good roster. Let's not get lazy with our special teams development and let's draft some guys that can come in and just fill out rosters, be tough guys that can do that. When you have a really good roster, in my opinion, the Titans had too many holes to value special teams to the degree that they did. And I think they did a very good job in special and, and for agency, excuse me, to where the draft was the opportune time to take the majority of high end talent and use all your picks. I feel like if if it, if you were to trade up, you shouldn't have, you know, mortgaged more than one, maybe two pick. You know, obviously, if you move up, you're probably going to have to give one or two picks, right? But three to move up 15 spots, to move up 15 spots, the Titans gave away three. They gave away basically a substantial portion of their day three. To move up, was it 16, 17 spots? I think it was 17 spots. They may have moved up 16 or 17 spots to take a raw receiver four, possibly raw receiver three. Who has, oh, I don't know, I think about it all the time sometimes because it just changed the trajectory. The trajectory of what they could have done in day three. But anyway, we're talking special teams. Do we understand it now, guys? 
Don't believe everything you hear. The Titans did a very good job in free agency with several special team signings. So guys like Monty Rice, Racy McMath, and Brady Breeze, which almost is 50% of their draft, could have waited for another year. Take your guy in, you know, let's say McMath. Take your guy in the sixth round. Take your one guy to add to the illustrious group you did in free agency. And then with every other pick, draft pro-ready NFL day one starters as, as to, you know, trusting your board within that concept. If your board was in shambles at that point, then you need a new board. Is that fair to say? I'm just saying the narratives that are created are very, I'm not going to say lazy, but it's not well thought out. It's just like a concept to combat anything else. It's almost like being, you know, walking outside of groupthink and then, you know, any type of opinion is going to be attacked. No, I do this, man. It's like, come on. But anyway, really wanted to talk about those undrafted free agent favorites and then, you know, talk about special teams and what this Tennessee Titans team has done in the special teams market. And I feel like they've, 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 if they're not the top special teams unit next year, I don't know what what happened. You know, so with that being said, this was a good, this was a pretty solid podcast. And uh, next podcast, we're going to be talking about undrafted free agent classes, um, who are my favorite, and as well as we're going to be talking about in general who I liked, right? I liked. What teams did well, who basically had a second draft, like I like to call it. Your undrafted free agent class is your second draft. And then I, I, I want to go over just players in general who I would have targeted very heavy for the Tennessee Titans. Thanks for tuning in. I will see you on the next one.